Welcome to I Wish I Was an Only Child with me, Rachel. And me, Cathy. And this week our guests are Frank Skinner and his brother, Keith. Frank's my partner and the fa- <laughs> my baby daddy. We recorded this in person, not during lockdown, so don't be alarmed. We were all sat together, which was... No, I can't believe I was going to say which was nice. <laughs> um, I was absolutely terrified. It was the first one we'd done. I have never been so frightened. We got biscuits. An empty pub. It was lovely, though, because it was all yeah. snowy outside, and Keith is so lovely. Can I just lovely. say, it wasn't snowing. It was! I it definitely it was. was. Definitely. I'll bet you a million pounds. Ask Frank. Okay. Oh, we always have a bust up before because Rachel has. We have a list of questions that we do, and Rachel always says their shit, and she'll come in with some really naff questions, and then say, "Can we change it to? Do you have a piano?" And I'm like, "How's that going to bring anything out of them?" And that's how Rachel rolls. <laughs> so this is the last episode of the first series, and we'll be back in March for series two. Oh, yes. Who's the funniest? <laughs> it's a, yeah. Nice easy well, who, get, who gets paid for it? Yeah, yes. I'm definitely the funniest, but who gets paid for it? That's why I'm funny because I'm stupid because I ain't getting paid for it. <laughs> you know? Keith, Keith is a very uh, is a very funny man, I think. And um, I think if I'd been the oldest brother and had gone off and become a professional comedian, then Keith would have probably followed in my footsteps. But um, really, yeah. But he'd already committed to a life of gambling and drink by that stage. Yeah. <laughs> and besides that, I couldn't travel, you see, because I don't drive. Because when I was young, on the television all the time, you'd go, don't drink and drive. And I thought you had to do one or the other. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll drink this. To be fair to you, you've stuck to that decision. Oh, certainly. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that. I think uh, Keith was always... Uh, the funny one, I think, when I was a kid, he was the one who used to make my dad laugh a lot and stuff like so that. So do you think that you were trying to make him laugh because he was your big brother who was funny? I think that um, me and Keith are probably the most similar. Of There are four of us. We've got an older sister called Nora and then an older brother called Terry. And, and there are seven years between you. There's seven yeah. years between me and Keith yeah. and, and five years between the others, so that there's quite big gaps in our family. I think, I don't know quite why that happened. I think <laughs> it was a television man only come around, the television detective man only come around every five years. I think that's where you were. Yeah, so we turned the telly off. They got it this summer. Um, so, um, although we, we were, it's a big gap, isn't it, seven yeah. years? I think that's why you don't get any sibling rivalry. Because you, you're trying to develop when, you, when you're younger, like, you know, so when you're an adolescent and a teenager. But we were in different groups mm. because when I was seventeen, he was seven, he was ten, so we weren't going to be mixing in the same groups. I couldn't take a ten-year-old to the pub even round here. But weren't you sharing a bed with him? Yeah, actually. How did you share a bed with him? Uh, we've only got only got three bedrooms. I know, but as if he was five and you were—I can't do the math. Twelve. Twelve. That's yeah. a nightmare. Well, yeah. Well, because I mean, it, this was normal procedure. Yeah, you had a three-bedroom council house, and. People usually had, you know, a few kids, so the chances that you got boys and girls would be quite high. And so the girls had one room and the boys had the other. In that, because we were three one to the boys, we started off in the in a double bed, didn't we? And then we got promoted to bunks. I remember. Yeah. Me and Keith. 
But and Terry was our oldest one. He had his own bed in the same room. So until what age? Well, I tell you, they were definitely of drinking age because I remember. Um, bucket in the bedroom. Well, you yeah, we always <laughs> had the bucket in the bedroom because we had an outside toilet. Obviously, I think that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, stick around. <laughs> we're early on in the podcast at this nice. stage. Um, and Keith came in um, drunk and. Um, was sick in the bucket, I think. And I think, oh. I think Terry might have already also been sick in the bucket. And I was this, this, just this, the, the, this, the atmosphere from all this, the, the, port, the spores in the air. I was then sick as well. Um, there were certainly, um, there were different times. Everybody drank as soon as they got to about 15, 16. But I think that's generally true everywhere, isn't it? The three of us as brothers, because five years between Terry and Keith and then seven years between me and Keith. I don't remember us ever going anywhere, really, as, as a trio. Really, until we was in our 20s. That's when, like, we started mixing in the same company, weren't it, really? Because the world, I was 27, he was 20, like, you know, so it, it seems a lot closer then, like, you know. You, Frank, would ask Keith for advice. I know you asked him about Annette. I told him that I was uh, in love with this girl. At school, I mean, I was literally like f six, yeah. and I said, "I think I've fallen in love with this girl." And then, and um, I think he just laughed at me, told me not to talk so stupid. So you weren't so brilliant on the advice on the older brother advice. Yeah, yeah. Bad news for Annette. She could be living a life for Riley now. <laughs> I dare say, if, that were, if we'd been rich, we'd have been termed as eccentric because we was poor. We was termed as being weird. Yeah. Really? Well, really, my mother once, uh, every Saturday, she used to go up to West Bromwich shopping. And my dad says, well, you catch the bus up there, you catch it back, why don't you get a return ticket? So I said, what's the point of that? Is this cheaper? So anyway, she always used to be back about one o'clock. So about half past one. My dad's going, where's she got to? And he come two o'clock, mum come in. He says, where you've been to now? She says, don't you start. See that blinking return ticket, he says, I had to wait an extra three quarters an hour for that driver to come back. No, no. Yeah. And when she, the same as when she had a, a bus pass, and she, she'd never been in a photo booth before, and she stood up. Oh, yeah. And she only had that much, like, no head. Yeah, just, oh, just no. Uh, no, her head was cut off, so she only had a chest area and whatnot. I love the picture of a Mac. And, yeah, and it says, uh, Dad says, you can't use that. The driver's got to recognise you. He says, it's all right, don't wear the same coat. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, that was something I remember about our childhood, is that people did always wear the same clothes. <laughs> you didn't used to say, you know, Dave, he's that tall bloke with the blonde hair. You'd say, you know, Dave, brown leather jacket with a... Because people wore, they wore the same stuff until it fell yeah, apart. that's it. We were, I suppose, officially poor. Yeah. But I never really had a sense of missing out massively. No. I didn't know anyone who wasn't like we were. Well, I did. I used to go to school with somebody, and their their father owned an engineering business, and he drove a DB5 car and everything else. And he said, what did you have for Christmas? I said, well, I had a Sky Electrics, I had a Dundee Space Station, I had a... And I went through this list... I said, what did you have? This is a dinky toy. So you see, because we was poor, mm -mm. 
we sort of put the emphasis on Christmas and so we had loads of stuff. It might take 12 months to buy for it, <laughs> but we used to have a lot of stuff. Yeah, we had a and man, we had... do you remember Mr Butler? Oh, yeah. We had a moneylender bloke <laughs> who honestly was like, he always got paid Butler, no yeah, matter what yeah. Because he was the sort of like you could imagine, he was quite a menacing figure. And I don't know what his interest rates were, because I didn't know what interest rates were then. But my mum used to borrow money from him, I think, for Christmas, yeah. and then pay it off across the year. But he did look like a bloke that if you didn't pay him, other men might turn up and do damage. <laughs> yeah. What I sort of want to say, but it's so corny, is that we had um, a lot of love. Yeah. Uh, and that was um, why it didn't really matter about the, the money so much. But did did... Frank feel like an irritating I mean from re from the book he seemed to be a kind of out of control irritating prankster and you it felt like you were a bit calmer and a bit more mature no it didn't really work like that did it it was it was you uh, see Cat Keith was always a sort of an alternative character the bands that Keith was in, into when he was a teenager were people like Bloodwind Pig and the pretty so things I mean, nice. a lot of weird, really weird stuff. And I remember Keith was one of the first blokes to have long hair in our road. And when I got confirmed, because we're a Catholic family, when you do confirmation, which is this thing that says you're sort of a mature Catholic when you're about 10, 11, you have to have a sponsor, so an adult goes up to the altar with you. And so a lot of people have their brothers and that. And Keith had got like this suit on that was like a sort of uh, Victorian gentleman suit got hair down on his shoulders and at school the following week everybody was saying to me gosh is he is he a pop star your brother was he in so he was a really cool older brother you were in a band for a bit weren't you I was yeah was, the it, called the, was it the, was it the rocking swinging blues rocking, rocking blues the rocking blues, blues not yeah. the most generic <laughs> pop group no. well, we had used to sing uh, the rocking berries and Swinging Blue Jeans songs, that's what it was. Okay. But you, you love weird music and, and, and you, I'm guessing got your Elvis obsession from Keith. No, I got my Elvis obsession from my older brother. Ah. With Keith, it was weird, long hair. Keith had posters on his wall of bands who had so much hair on them, <laughs> facially and on their head, that you couldn't tell where one band member stopped and the next one started. They were just people looking through a wall of hair. Yeah, but you still really like that weird shit. So yeah. Keith was a strong influence in, in terms Keith, of... Well, Keith was certainly the most alternative. Keith had a... Sorry, I'm talking about you like you're not here. Yeah, this is all like right. Don't this will work out. Not. I'm well, learning a lot about myself. Work out well as a memorial <laughs> if we need one. Um, yeah. it's on, on Keith's wall, I don't know if you remember this, he had a big piece of wallpaper, massive piece of wallpaper reversed round... And he painted on it a massive nuclear mushroom cloud and, and painted Ban the Bomb. And the rest of the family, I think, were relatively straight in their tastes and interests. But Keith was, you know, into CND. And... But did, they, did the rest of the family embrace you or did they...? Yeah, I'm not far from it. I mean, I've been a trade unionist all my life. Oh. I think I met just about 50 years this year as a shop steward in everywhere that I've worked like. And... My dad was like a, a working class Tory. Tory. Yeah. His idea was you can't beg off the beggars. 
But he didn't realise that's why they were beggars, because the Tories were holding on to everything. That's what he'd say. That yeah. was his thing. If you beg off a beggar, you'll never be rich. And so, uh, that was his excuse for not We, we used to get in some political arguments, like, you know, well, debates more than arguments. No, so, arguments. But <laughs> <laughs> I've always... Uh, I mean, I've always been a socialist and yeah. always been... So where was Terry? Was Terry sort of with the family or was he with you? Well, Terry got married then, so we... Well, yeah, Terry got, Terry got... I mean, you all got married quite young, looking mm. back. But, um, yeah, I, I don't remember Terry having any political views. Um, Keith certainly did. I can still remember Keith on the telly, literally... And this is how I always think of... Um, industrial action in the 70s. Keith was standing on one of those braziers <laughs> saying, yeah, the management have uh, brought this on themselves <laughs> and all that sort of stuff with his hand. It was actually, it was barricades as well. We'd got a British line and we'd actually got, uh, what do they call it, scaffolding poles and barbed wire and that to stop. They was building a new area of Leyland. And we'd got a dispute, so we're stopping the building workers going in. And the television and thought thought about all this, you know, stopping the building workers, stopping blokes working and that. But they didn't realise that the building union, the blokes who were working on there, had dropped us these <laughs> scaffolding poles and the barbed wire off in the morning. Because it was about four inches of ice at the time. And if they'd have gone in, they'd have been on wet time, half their money, and they'd gone sent home. But by not loosening them in, I got full money. Was that when you got you got arrested? I, I got kept overnight once on a on a CND protest. But, but, uh, but in a less political way, there was a headline in the paper, uh, which was "Youths <laughs> swarm like locusts," yeah. and Keith was halfway up a lamppost, pointing directions about where the other where you know where to attack next, <laughs> and a bloke grabbed his leg. And you kicked out and kicked the bloke in the head. Unfortunately, the head had got a helmet on it. <laughs> but, you know, that, that is not representative of who Keith is. Was he like a hero to you? You know what? I, don't, I think the older brother, Terry, was the one who I remember seeing as this heroic figure because he was a bit more distant. Me and Keith were just about close enough to have the odd yeah. falling out. But now, when I look back, I think Keith's influence was a lot more, certainly in that sort of alternative view of life. Terry was much more conventional, went down the conventional route. Yeah, I mean, Terry's an interesting man, yeah. but, um, like I say, Terry was out more. Than, although we had this seven-year gap, it meant at least Keith... He was around more for my youth. And um, when we got a bit older, then we hung around... Me and Keith were the two that hung around quite a lot. And there must have been some alcohol I remember walking into the cafe at the top of where the new shops was at the top of our yeah. road and Keith had got a herringbone overcoat on and I said to, I was just meeting him for a cup of tea and I said to, oh, I like that. He said, oh yeah. Took it off and gave it to Aww. me. And Keith, the thing that my dad always said about Keith is that Keith would give you his last hate me. And he's still like that. Now, when I think, when I look back on my childhood, the programmes I remember watching, like The Prisoner and Monty Python and that um, Anthony Newley thing about that world gurney slave. Yeah. I was a kid watching weird, <laughs> strange alternative telly. And, uh, you know, you sort of think 
the working classes are quite straight and the middle classes are doing all that thing. And I think Keith brought a lot of interesting ideas in, into the home. For example, um, uh, your shampoo was a, was a revelation. Oh, no, that, that one, that was out of, uh, I think it was the Mirabelle, I think it was called. It was a magazine at the time for All About Pop. And Brian Jones uh, apparently washed his hair in 1001 carpet shampoo. Oh, and I always no. thought, that looks good, that does. No. So I washed my hair in 1001 carpet shampoo. <laughs> For years. Uh, for years. years. Really? Yeah, and I've still got nearly all my hair, so... Yeah, it's true. It's it's a great advert for... um, I don't think it exists anymore, does it? 1001. I I don't think so. You can tell how old it was. The the advert used to say, 1001 cleans a big, big carpet for less than half half a crown. crown. That was it. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, you can get a few blinking air washes out of that. Yeah. (laughs) We were a bit slack on all that stuff. We were filthy. Well, we didn't, like, this idea of people bathing every day was a bizarre. Well, I mean, we'd got a, a weird setup in a, in this council house, really, wasn't it? Because as such, the bathroom didn't really exist. Did well, it was a, we way? had a bath, but it was in the same room as, yeah. the, as the cooker. So you could have breakfast <laughs> breakfast in bath, you could have a breakfast in bed. And the room was lit by a gas pipe, which was a pipe <laughs> that stuck out the wall, and you lit it, and there was just a... <laughs> This flame shot out the end of it, and that's how we lit the room. So it was like being lit by uh, a Bunsen burner, or you know, turned up to maximum. And obviously, you had very flammable hair. Well, no, actually, you don't find many carpets catching fire. Did you know that one thousand and one? That's a good pile. He was quite, quite, quite a a thick pile in those days. If you'll pardon the expression. Okay. Because we didn't have central heating, you had to put a coal fire on to to get the water hot. We don't want a coal fire on in the summer, so we didn't bath at all in the summer, I don't think. Which is the time you We used to hope for rain in the summer, that was the only way. There was a lot of stuff in the bath as well, sort of (laughs) newspapers and clothes and stuff. We used the bath, but we used it for storage. (laughs) But did you two fight, or were you jealous of each other? I remember I threw a brick at at, uh, you, you used with a a girlfriend, and I threw a brick at you, and Keith chased me, and he... I ran up the garden full pelt, but I jumped over the fence and Keith jumped over. Luckily, next door's garden had not seen any sort of gardening attention in all its existence. The grass next door was, what, three feet high? Yeah, I mean, you was always worried what kind of wild animal might come out. Literally, so you could... My dad was a metic... Our dad was a meticulous gardener, so we jumped from our... We jumped, basically, from a garden into a wilderness. <laughs> but I remember Keith caught me and sort of held me on the ground, and then he just didn't do anything, so I don't think he had, he had the heart to actually slap me or anything. Hello. Here to Judge is a new weekly podcast from Little Wonder where we dismantle predicaments posted online. Featuring spicy dilemmas from Am I the Arsehole on Reddit. I haven't stopped giggling since you've said the word poops. <laughs> to Am I Being Unreasonable quandaries on Bumsnet. I'm an adult and I'm reading this aloud. <laughs> Join me, Priya Hall. Me, Robin Morgan. And me, Leila Navabi. Subscribe to Here to Judge now on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I love this podcast so much. Her mum was a very 
mild-mannered, very, very loving, caring person. I mean, rich, her life was her, her kids. That was everything went into that. And my dad was also loving, but he was loving in a, in a tough love kind of a yeah. way. And he was an extremely colourful character, drinker, singer. He liked comedy as well. He used to always mess about. But um, how would we describe him? Volatile? Oh, no, I'd call him extremely volatile. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in the two, your different perspectives on your mum and dad. Well, well, I think we'd probably agree on mum. Yeah. Mum had got a dry sense of humour that you didn't always see. And your mum would, mum would get anything away? A friend of mine, his mum had got herself into terrible debt. And mum loaned her, I think it was 40 quid to get out of it. And 40 lot. quid then? Oh. And I had no idea where mum had got the money. I think she might have borrowed it or whatever. But she loaned it to this person, and that's what she was like. When I hold our child's hand, Kath, I always think of when I held my mum's hand. When my mum was dying, I kissed her one last time, and the feel of her soft face against mine, I summed up for me love, security, feeling safe, that feeling. I mean, that, totally. Now, our dad was like a rock. You felt safe, yeah, because yeah. if anyone challenged us, he's liable to break their necks. <laughs> I remember once somebody stopped him and asked him when they got a light on the way back from the pub. He said, mate, have you got a light? And he hit him and knocked him over the blinking fence. No. He said, that's the way they mug you. He said, they'll wait for you to go get your hands <laughs> in your pockets. I remember that. He came in, all his hand was <laughs> yeah. all bashed up, and he said, uh, yeah, he said, uh, he said uh, I'm not falling for that one. <laughs> he said, that's how they have your bait. That's how, when we worked down the pit, they used to nick your bait on the way, like your lunch. Mm. I said, yeah, that was 50 years ago, <laughs> yeah. in a different part of the country. But the bloke might have been, you know, we don't know. He, he could be, um, he was capable of uh, violence, very, very rarely against us. Oh, no, no, you get but, a slap if you misbehave. You might get a slap, but people do get But you get always slapped. felt safe, you felt safe. Yeah. Well, he had an argument with a neighbour once, my dad was fixing a shed, and my the neighbour came out. I think this might have been after you'd left home. And he said, uh, oh, what are you doing banging about on a Sunday, the neighbour said. And I thought, oh, please, please <laughs> don't say that. So my dad jumped off the roof of the shed into the bloke's garden <laughs> and said to the bloke, what about your dog? Your dog's barking every day of the week. I don't come round and complain about it. And the bloke said, yeah, well, if you did, you'd go back quicker than you came. And I thought... No, please, no, 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 please don't say that. And he said, the next time I hear that dog bark, he said, I'll grab its front legs and pull them apart till its heart bursts. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, this is like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was, yeah, he was, he was a, um, a very um, violent man in that respect. Dogs. You always had dogs, didn't you? Yeah. You always have dogs in the house. Yeah, we had a three-legged cat as well. Do you remember that? Well, that was actually... Next door's cat, which, oh, which sort of adopted us. What had happened? This cat had gone out on a winter's night like we've had recently because it's been very cold around here at the moment. And it's got frostbite in its leg, and its leg came off, you know, through frostbite. So they got a peg, you know, the peg that you put on the, the line, the old the dolly pegs they used to call it because they've got a slit in the middle. A wooden clothes peg. Yeah, yeah. put that up tight round it and that. So the cat had got a wooden leg. Literally, really literally sweet. had a peg leg. Had a peg leg. That's really sweet. But you could always tell because you had to change it every now and then because the cat would start going a bit lopsided. I'd just start walking in the gutters so that the other leg matched. <laughs> like, but uh, 
Yeah, and that used to reply still it. Eh? Oh, that was next door's cat, was it? I yeah, Mrs. Weston's. You thought it was yours? Mrs. Weston's. Well, it was that in was. our garden so much. I, I you did Well, it was scared to go in their garden. It was, we just said, it was, about, it was like going into the fucking yeah, exactly. jungles. Was that the neighbour who had the frozen poo in the pants? Yeah, Ernie, Ernie next door Ernie didn't, Weston. didn't throw his... Uh, he threw his long johns out the window and they were frozen on the lawn. He thrown... <laughs> I mean, it was, it's very hard. When I talk, I don't know if you get this, but when I talk to people about our childhood, they think we're from the 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only point is that that's what it was around here. It was just like that. Everybody was the same. You, you could try and put on airs and graces, you know, a bit like Mrs. Bouquet type yeah. of attitude. But it don't matter. Everybody else knew that you'd got a blinking grey coat over the top of your bed in the winter and things like that. But like I said, I didn't get a sense of... Mis- we, we, there used to be periods when Dad was out of work, usually because, obviously, he'd had an argument with the, some one of the bosses there. And I remember us living on tomato ketchup sandwiches for a few weeks when that... But that was... But Do you remember that? That was, few, that, that was few and far between when you had that. You had the example, like, this is a because we did have some luxury sometimes. Every Saturday, my dad would have a piece of steak. Now, this piece of steak, no light, would have been about four inches square. I don't know what that is in modern money, but about four inches square. And he'd give everybody a bit of it, all the kids a bit of this steak, because that's the only time you've seen stuff, was on this Saturday. But he'd be going balmy on my mum if ever she'd give him cheese sandwiches to take to work. That was bungal, as he called it. I don't give me that bungal. I think we've got no money. I think we're living on the... Give me my cheese sandwiches. Now, when you look at the reverse now, cheese is dearer than steak. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, so you can say the world has changed a lot. Who have you both taken after in your parents? I think Frank's like his dad, but that, obviously, I'm making a guess because I never met your dad. Well, a lot to always said that I was like my dad because oh, okay. it was... Uh, it was Although it was like... We seem to be on different sides politically. Yeah. You know, and I was very passionate. Really could understand a lot of it sometimes, like, you know, like, because he worked at British Lane. Well, he worked at the Rover at one time. And he knew some of the things that went on there that weren't very fair. And he could understand my point of view from there. But uh, I think that's very He had stood up at work a few times. He had, yeah. Yeah, fired the bullets. He worked in. do you remember he worked in the old people's home and he thought there was stuff going on there and he stood up? Yeah, him. yeah. He would do it. He was nobody bullshit. Put it this way, he'd argue about anything. So, yeah, you know, if, yeah. if, you, if you got in the right thing, he'd, he'd be a great fighter for a, a social crusade or he's happy to just hit some bloke on a car box. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of conflicts. <laughs> and yet he was very religious. He was very, very religious. Are you religious? Are you... Religious? I am, but I, I think what um, I, and my dad used to moan at me like anything about it, because church like it used to be Sunday, but also on fished a lot, and fishing was all the contests were always on a Sunday, so we had a bit of a conflict there, like you know. But uh, I'm still a great believer. And, uh... it being a really loving household. Oh, yeah. Really? Because it obviously sounds a bit scary. No, no, it was really, really loving. And, I mean, these things only happened on very, very, very rare occasions. And like I say, our our dad was one of those. You know, there's that saying that I'd rather have this bloke in the tent 
I don't know. Are we allowed to swear? You say pissing. Was, yeah, we'd rather have him in the tent pissing out than outside the tent <laughs> pissing. <laughs> I mean, the main thing is, our dad was a, could be a, a violent, aggressive man, but he, he was also a very, very loving what family man. He'd sit and read your bedtime stories and do, he'd sing and dance to make the kids laugh. He used to argue and like, if mum and dad had have an argument like, you know, suddenly, you know, he'd get to a stage and my dad would go, remember when school days were over? Yeah. You know, and it, it's, yeah. do you, and then suddenly it's all gone. Are you as big singer? Because Frank sings obsessively. It drives me berserk. Uh, oh, well, I'll sing around the house because there's nobody there to criticise <laughs> me. Let's get it right. <laughs> well, my dad... I mean, he never really stopped singing. And my mum and dad, I would say, argued every day of their life. Yeah, pretty well. But, I mean, they were, that was how they communicated. Sometimes they were heavy rows, and a lot of time they were just sparring. But you <laughs> felt that they loved each other. You oh, yeah, definitely. I was with my mum later on in her life. I remember she fell over in the hallway and she called out my dad's name. My dad was at work, but that was who she saw as a rock and support. That was the name. Like if our child falls over, he calls, he calls for Kath. He doesn't call for me, even if Kath's out. Because I know right where there. the plasters are. Well, it's because there are certain... There's always one person in your life who you think of as your, you know, your protector. But were either of you a favourite? Do you think because Frank was the youngest, he was... No, we don't... I think they they worked to avoid that I mean, more than anything. In they they sort of tried not to have favourites, didn't they? It was sort of a, a conscious decision. Well, I, it I, was a little things creeping here and there, like they did really try not to. Make but it. yeah, in order to to know the answer to that, you have to know my mum. Mm. And if any, I believe if any one of us had gone to our mum and said, "I need ten grand and I need you to come with me to Central America tonight." <laughs> She was worked it out, yeah. and she would have done. She was always putting like a pound in people's hand and, yeah. and stuff like that. She was, you know. I remember. Um, uh, I remember once she gave away the Sunday joint because the one up the road, the lady up the road hadn't got no, no and had got kids, and they gave away the Sunday joint, and the old guy goes, "What have you done that for?" Like, you know, and says, "Because we, we always kept chickens." You've got chickens, you've got potatoes, you've always have egg and chips, they've got nothing up there. I think her family was everything, absolutely everything to her. And uh, I think that was... It was more common then, because I think feminism hadn't touched Oldbury where we lived, I don't think, particularly. Although there was some strong... I don't think it has yet, to be honest. There was, there was some... <laughs> I'm looking out the window, I don't think it has. Yeah, there were formidable women in the area, and obviously it was a very, you know, maternal place in lots of ways, but that was... Her great love and her great... And she worked full-time most of her life. She worked mm-hmm. full-time until she was 65. But, yeah, the family was always, always the priority. And nine times out of ten, she'd work somewhere where it was benefit for the kids, you know, chocolate factories and... Oh, God, so she cake. worked in a fish and chip shop. <laughs> yeah. Cake factory. Toy factory. Toy factory and a chocolate factory. So, oh, yeah, there was, always a, there was always a bit of secondary. Yeah. God, she used to bring... I don't know about Those, like, solid blocks, remember them? They look like, you know, when you get a... A block of gold, Mm-mm. and it's there used to be solid chocolate like oh, that. And they used to yeah, melt down and put on cakes yeah. and biscuits and things like. That. And she could buy them cheap or something. There she was, and she used to. I don't, I don't know if she bought. Look, I'm trying to clean myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know how the rules of statue go on chocolate theft. I don't think so. Uh, we arrested uh, this way. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you couldn't get through. You had to get an hammer and chisel like to start breaking them up yeah, or yeah. scrape them. And- 
you know, and we have jealousies and we have anger and fury. Well, I do. Lots. But you two, did you not have jealousies? Keith was just going to go to the big school. So he just got his school uniform and he got all dressed up. And you you were quite, how can I put it, you were... Big lad in those days. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was 14 stone at 14. Like, I used to play rugby and uh, we didn't play football at our school. We only played rugby and cricket. So when he was 10, 11, he was still still a bit, um, what we would have said in those days, a bit of a bonter. Oh, I was, yeah. Yeah. So he'd come up, I was up the garden and my dad had this thing that collected rainwater. And if you collect rainwater and it's left there for ages, you get dirty water. At the bottom, you get black gunk. So Keith came up and um, he'd got his brand new uniform and his tie and blazer and all that. And he was sent up to show it to me as well, because it's quite a big thing that the school uniform arriving in the house. So I had a bucket of this black mud in my hand when he arrived. I always think it was the moment when I decided that comedy was going to be the way forward for me. More slapstick than anything, else. So I, I tipped it over Keith's head um, and it... You know, it, it was it was quite um, <laughs> dramatic. The the change it, it was stinking black slime. So Kate started crying, understandably. And then I looked and I saw, as probably as frightened as I've ever been. I saw my dad, and my dad looked at Kate was walking towards him, crying, covered in this. I had a bucket oh, in my hand, <laughs> dribbling slime, and my dad came up the garden. And that thing, I couldn't run, I couldn't move my legs. <laughs> my dad was purple and coming up towards me. I had no defence, he was completely in the right. Um, and I stood there trembling. I can remember the feeling now of just seeing him get bigger as he, as he got closer <laughs> to me. And he, he did a weird thing, he reached down and instead of grabbing me, he grabbed me by the ankle. He reached down and grabbed me by the ankle. And then when he, when he stood up straight, I went upside down. And then he hit me all the way down the garden. And he threw me, he literally threw me into the kitchen. And I landed on Keith's guitar and broke it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Keith. And you didn't hate Frank? No, I hated the uniform, to be honest. I tried everything I could to get out of that school. <laughs> When you, you started drinking, I guess, in your late teens or whatever, so... Well, <laughs> that's very reasonable of you. I started drinking... I was someone in a pub, I was 14. OK, so as you, you started... Your, put your deep voice on. I used to get served in my school uniform. About the second or third time, I said... I went in and I said, uh, uh, pint of mild, please, in my deep voice. The bloke said, pint of mild, and I said, well, well, bitter then. <laughs> <laughs> Completely panicked. Oh, yeah. they served you? Yes, I, there used to be a bloke um, who, who worked in a, in a pub near me and he also, his main job was ice cream man and I used to come out of school, I used to buy <laughs> ice cream, caught it from him and then I'd buy beer from him on the evening. And you used to make woodwork jobs, you know, at a coffee table, I think, on Matt and you had to take the money in to purchase it because of the, you know, the materials you've used and that. And I'd got my hair long, so, and you weren't allowed to have your hair long. So he says, uh, right, you're not paying for that today. You can take that money down the road. He says, you can get your hair cut. So I went to the pub down the road and had two points and went up. You know, I didn't see the point. My dad would back us up on that. It's fashion, what's the really? matter with him? Yeah, it's fashion. What's, not the pub, not giving right. it the pub. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
It's fashion. What's the matter with you? My dad was pretty fashionable, wasn't he, really, when he worked it what, out? Uh, what the weird thing about my about our dad was um, that he, for all that, he had a strange broad-mindedness. He used to yeah. say to me, get into showbiz. That's the sort of job. Never mind the apprenticeships. You don't want to work for a living He'd like say, others. Yeah, on, <laughs> I wish I'd done that. Get on the bandwagon. And he used to say, look at that. Look at that Aspel bloke <laughs> of Michael Aspel. No talent at all. <laughs> look at the money he's made. But get he, on the bandwagon. Did yeah. he only do it with you or did he do it with you as well? I don't, did know. Did I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll, well, I was a devil for dressing up. You know, I'd go to school in a cowboy outfit and get sent home. You got a couple of cowboy outfits and things like that, Robin Hood and all, you know, and all that type of thing. So how do you feel about Frank going into What did you think Frank I'm was going to be? I'm dead chuffed. OK. Absolutely chuffed a bit. Unfortunately, I've completely lost my identity. Of course you have. So Where we're I... doing this from now, there's a sign over the top of the bar with all the customers' name, and mine's up there, Skinner. Frank, you look more Which is my stage name, I Yeah. And people shout, you know, then go past in that back, they're all right, Skinner. You know, and that. And that so when he started first, what were you thinking when he first started do, doing comedy? I was thinking. I didn't tell anyone at first. No, no, I mean, I found out later when he was doing one at the Bear Hotel. So you didn't see an early gig? You didn't I didn't see... see an early gig now. I haven't seen many of his gigs. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't tell. Uh, I didn't tell any of the family I was. I was doing it. Well, I mean, one of the problems was I was doing quite rude material, and my that wasn't allowed in our house. We're never oh, allowed dear. to swear at home. And for all our dad's wildness, I never heard him swear many times. No, I'll Certainly tell you something. He house. even used to turn off step toe and so on because of the language, hadn't he? So, how has your relationship changed since not you, not Frank, not well, drinking since Frank's? I do. There's a lot of people say to me now. I say, uh, "Oh, you're Frank Skinner's brother." I say, "Yeah." Do you see much of him? I say, "Yeah, he's on the telly nearly every day, like you know." But because of the distance between us, we don't, and because of his being a workaholic, and me being a work avoider. You know, we don't, but you're not we don't a work see. avoider. I don't think you are. I think from what I, you know, from when Frank Keep speaks about you, work really hard. I never ever remember you being out of work for no. more than maybe a fortnight or something. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get away with it any longer. No, I tried. No, no, but yeah, I, I'm still working now at my age. Like I wouldn't that. like people to come away from me thinking that. Um, as you say, you're over retirement age, aren't you? You're still oh, yeah. working. Yeah, I'm still time. working full time. That's like not that? a work avoider. I do because no. I don't have to. Right. That's a brilliant thing. When you don't have to work, mm-hmm. you can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. When you, you're desperate to have to work, then you don't enjoy it that do much. What's your job? I'm a sheet metal worker, so I'm throwing massive fucking steel panels around so all day. So a real physical job? Yeah, and then wow. when I come out, I'm walking down the high street and somebody stops me and asks me if I want to join a gym. The last thing I want to do is join a gym. Join a gym. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I want to wear a down. When you say you don't have to work, what, what, what do you mean? Because you could go on the pension if you wanted to. I'm already on the pension. I'm, I'm doing quite well. You're not, pension, not so well you? as you. I hope you declare it all. <laughs> of course I am. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'll get into it all. From the Irish lottery or whatever it was. Oh, I'll make a few. On the, uh, I always win nearly every... And I ain't joking now. It seems an exaggeration. But nearly every week... But you could say we might have four or five weeks off a year that I don't win. Don't pick up. It always was lucky. <laughs> Do you wish that you saw more of Frank? Uh, yeah, really, yeah. That's what we do. We, we, we sort of distance Frankie, and, and as I say, I don't drive, so... We should say as well, though, that 
there's four of us. There's there's Nora, Terry, Keith, yeah. and me. And Terry and Keith and Nora live within what three miles of each other. Uh, no, I don't see either of them either. I do sometimes. I see sometimes. And there's never been. Why is that? There's Why? no rift, is there? We never had. Okay, so I, it was something we used to dread, wasn't it? Going, uh, going visiting when you was a kid. Yes. Oh, we go, especially it'd be, we're going to take up Nora, so have something to eat before you go. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was a sort of little triangular sandwiches like yeah, we were yeah. used to flicking doorsteps and that and it like and see through them you know and that <laughs> we we weren't used to that remember auntie doreen used to give us smarties in custard smarties in custard oh yeah. that's the worst thing i've ever had they li- if you there push was only like three of them in there <laughs> if you just... push them across the surface it's like a firework display you get, oh, you get different oh, coloured oh, smears that's terrible and so you, more like a, a now christmas pudding when there's bits you used to like soup i used to pudding. dread visiting auntie doreen because she was very nice to us and stuff but in, in that house you had to ask permission to leave the table everything. you had to hold it. you had to say may i leave the table and i found that such a um trauma i used to stay at the table oh, long no. after the meal had gone when the last smarty had smeared you always feel like you're encroaching on their territory type of thing yeah you live so close to yeah. each other and great absolutely love meeting Somewhere, you know, like we went for a meal, didn't we? And uh, when you do that, it's great. Yeah. Bringing them into your environment, or yeah. besides that, I haven't got room in my flat. As I said, the ancient dart of cat <laughs> swinging isn't going to get. I will, if I see one of them, they'll often say, "Oh, I bumped into uh, Keith in Oldbury. We talked for about fifteen minutes." So they'll meet in the street I and have, a, ex- yeah. have a warm-hearted chat and then not see each other for four years. Because we literally live with each other. We work with each other, we live with each other, we do everything together. So I find it... I mean, I will talk endlessly to Frank about it. I, can't, I find it so unfathomable that you guys aren't... It's just, but well, maybe it's the age thing. gap makes a it's big a weird difference. Thing. Every, yeah. I, I'm, I pray every day, mm. and every day I pray for my two brothers and my sister. But... Not only do I not see them, I rarely speak to them. I send them birthday cards and Christmas cards. And I think there is always part of me that is waiting for that phone call. Mm. Because we're all getting yeah. older. We are, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, that will... Then I'll look back. But I know that. But what have I done about it? I don't know if you know this, but Dad said to us, said to me, not long before he died, try and keep in touch with the others, you know, because they won't keep in touch with each other. And I think if you consider what a family woman my mum was and my, and my dad, the family meant so yeah. much, I think they would be sad to know that we are virtual strangers from each other. I mean, the yeah. four of us. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it doesn't... Maybe it doesn't matter, I don't know. No, uh, uh, this is hard to say. I, I don't know so much about my older brother and sisters, but I do, because we've knocked about together a bit, like, and that, and we've got the same friends, and I see the same friends now and then, like, you know, I still see them, and I say, how slim do you? Mm. Which I nicknamed him at one time. Well, I know that if I got a phone call and said that Keith had dropped dead in the street, that that would torture me probably until I dropped dead in the it street. It wouldn't do me a lot of good either, I'll no. be honest. <laughs> no, or anyone you fell on at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
too, right? <laughs> but yeah, and I don't know. That's what people. That's what people do. They let it go and they let it roll, and then in the end, it's too late. Yeah. But the last meal, we said that we were going to get together and have another meal again, and in, you know, we we never. But then also, you have a child, you're buzzed, so you're trying to get back. It is that thing of life happening, isn't it? Mm. And before you know it, the years have rolled by. But you know, there's there's no one else I can have these conversations with. It's weird. And you might have noticed a few times um, today that I've said my dad and then yes. corrected yes. myself yes. to yes. our and dad. And Keith, yeah. Keith you not, said my dad. Because yeah, I'm, I'm not used to being with my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lots of sort of stuff about our family that we don't know. Oh, there is. You know, it's, it's just, it was the sort of family you didn't sit around. And talk about your deep, intimate thoughts. Well, we had a, we had a meal, didn't we? And we had other members of the family with us. Like, and uh, this was what would this have been about two years ago? Yeah, and I come away from that meal feeling like a forty-year-old had been found out to be adopted. Really? Because a lot of things that I thought had happened hadn't happened, and a lot of things that had happened I thought hadn't happened. Yeah, because it seems so confusing. But why? Why is that? Well, I just think. My mum and dad's attitude was, oh, we don't want to talk about that. That's all in the past and blah, blah. Yeah. So there was loads of stuff that we... They were all brushed under the carpet. And, of course, older siblings know stuff because they were around. But then they were bred with that. We don't go on about, <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't, talk, we don't want to be... Yeah. And so, yeah, I when I see you two who share everything and, and, no, and when you talk with your mum... You know, my dad used to say, our dad used to say to me, <laughs> deep as the ocean you are, deep as the ocean. You know, there's lots of stuff about my life I didn't tell them when they were alive. So neither of you talked, really talked to each other about emotional stuff. It was more jokey. No, but I do, I, I do consider it. I mean, there was, uh, I received a Christmas card a couple of Christmases ago and it got from Frank and Buzz... And what had happened is, I didn't know at the time that you'd been out running. As I, as I and you hadn't come back, and you he left a card for you to sign. You hadn't signed it. Oh. Yeah. So I got it from Frank and Buzz. So I texted him, "Is everything all right?" I thought, "Your name, you know, cat's name, ain't on it." Oh. Was a run off and left him with Buzz, like you know, <laughs> literally <laughs> run off. Yeah, he <laughs> had a run and and I thought. Well, and I, I was ever so concerned in that. I had, I had to ask you. I says, look, I was going to... I didn't send you a, a, a card. I said, because I didn't know what to put on it. No. I didn't want to leave Kat off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if she was there, she'd be... Well, look at him there. And I didn't want to put it on in case you had run off and it upset him. But so they sent the card, that you? But that's another thing, because you don't know... You know, you don't know Boz. You've met Boz once, once when he was a baby. Yeah, yeah. And that... You'd love him and he'd love you, and that's... You know, Buzz, with these two, like his auntie Rachel, is a central figure in his life. His uncle Keith should be a central figure. I've actually got a picture of him with me wallet. But when Frank first became famous, would you ever think he'd gone up himself, or did you ever think anything like that, or did you feel anything? You can, you can be honest. No, be honest. I did feel he was mixing in a different company from what I could actually mix with, mm. but. Then I've attended a few of his things, and I have met some of the ones. And I thought, really, they're no different from us, really. It's just they're earning a few more bob, yeah, and they're exactly. in the limelight. 
Exactly. So it's a job like I do, but mine's not too well paid, and not a lot of people know I do it, you know, including the gaffers sometimes, but we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you do feel like, uh, well, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to encroach on it, you know. Bring him, you know, bring him down to the level like where I come from, you know. Oh God, I don't think we'd like that. Yeah. So. It's socialist freaking trade union. When when Boz was born, I phoned Keith up to tell him. He said to me, "I'll go out and drink myself to death." No, he said I was hanging around for the inheritance. That's right. That's knackered up my inheritance now. I might as well carry on drinking. <laughs> I ain't got to outlive you now. Exactly. <laughs> Have you ever felt jealous? Frank's life? No, not re not really. I mean, I'd like a few bob like he's got, like, but when you think about it, you're constantly under the limelight, everything you do. In fact, that it, it does rub off on me, mm. because it'll be Frank Brothers, Frank Skinner's brothers done this, or Frank mm. Skinner's brothers done that. So yes. I had to, I had to pull myself, pull my neck in sometimes, thinking, well, I, I can't do this because. Uh... I mean, one funny thing about that is that our sister. Um, keeps a, uh, well, I don't know if she still does, but she used to keep a scrapbook of my career. And neighbours used to put clippings through the letterbox mm. for her in the morning. She'd put them all in there. And Keith's in the paper for um, some sort assault. Of assault. Well, he, was he was in the paper for assault. And about three people put the clippings through Nora's no. letterbox to get yeah, the he actually put it in the book, but he never put the finishing ones when it was totally impossible to have done what I was supposed to have done and everything else. Really? So, it all thrown mm -hmm. but, uh, so you read the book? So you're innocent? Book. Yeah, of course I was innocent. Didn't you, put it, you should have put it oh, in the book. Oh. So I, I didn't told know, you. you never told me. Yeah. You didn't clear it. You need to talk more. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. So when he only tells me about the assaults. He never tells <laughs> me about the clearances. But when you read the book, what did you think? Did you think it was brilliant or did you think, no, that's, well, you thought that was wrong? I, lo I loved it, you Unfortunately, he thought the, how can I say the layout of the book? Because mm -hmm. I'm terrible, I'm gonna, and you keep flipping backwards. forward yeah. backwards. I couldn't really get into that. I, I preferred it to have been a straight story, yeah. like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's because I know him more. Other people might wanted to just get exactly. to the interesting bits. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to get to the more mundane bits as you well because I was part of, I wanted to get to my bits, you're quite exactly. right. I, yeah, I, I have three lines. I bought David Badir a <laughs> book about alternative comedy and next to his name in the uh, index I wrote, Hello. <laughs> sure enough, he phoned me up and said, You. Because the first thing he did was go to his name in the index and there was a lovely little hello from But me. do you, Frank, ever think... Is there any part of you that thinks, do you know, I wish I was back here living that life? Because I'm quite nostalgic and well, I we do say here, have we established that we're in Cape Hill We're in, in Cape Hill in Smethwick, um, by where you grew up. Was... Do you ever wish you'd just lived this sort of simpler life, I suppose? Simple but eccentric. No. Next question. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. Growing up as we did, when we did, where we did, and as members of the working class, I felt every door was shut to any sort of creative or interesting job. I, I did what everyone else did. I left school and, and worked in a factory. That's what you did. 
and there was no one saying to me, you know what, you could. Have, what about if you do this? What about if you try? If you take comedy, it's not like that's an essentially Cambridge Your dad activity. Sort of said it. Yeah. There's lots of working class blokes who were, you know, who would do comedy. So, but it, it just you feel like it's all mapped out for you. You're gonna go to the pub every night. You're going to work in a factory. You're going to get married young. You're going to live in a council flat mm. and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was there. I was well away on that trajectory. Mm. It's not like from the beginning I, I was on it. And it was only a series of weird circumstances. I basically started reading books and decided I wanted to go and be a student. And from that, everything But if you go back to what off. you said at the beginning, do you honestly think if, the, if you were the older brother that Keith would have followed your path? Look, I say this, I've made myself unpopular on TV productions by saying to young, upper-middle-class people born in London into often media families, you guys, you've got all the privilege and all the doors are open for you. And I'm not blaming you for that, because, you know, good luck to you, you've landed you know, on your feet. But there are so many people I know back home, including my brother and kids I went to school with, who could easily have been successful television people, successful broadcasters. And I'm not building up definitely bright, like Keith, bright, funny, interesting people who who could have done it. And they didn't have the chance. And I think if you do have the opportunity and you in any way squander it and you just go into it because you want to sit in the club doing cocaine with your media friends, I've got no time for you. I don't resent anyone having more privilege than we did. That's just the way it's dealt. But I do, if I'd been the oldest and I'd shown the others that the doors were open, I think, I certainly think Keith could well have ended up. You did, Keith, you did do a part in Frank's sitcom. I've done a few parts. Have you? Yeah, yeah I've played Cathy uh, Burke out of Gimme Gimme Gimme, Emmanuel Petit, French footballer. I've uh, I forgot that. Yeah, you did, right? Yeah, and I, I played a fisherman in Blue Heaven. Yeah. Uh, when you were a fisherman in Blue Heaven, which was a sitcom, that the, the I, what they played it to me, and you weren't in it. I said, "Where's my brother?" And they said, oh, "Just a bit over length. That bit had to go." I said, you're going to have to cut something else. That's got to be in it. And it was, I knew they were right. Mm. I knew that that was the bit that had to go. I said, no, you can't cut that. It's got to go back in. So we had to cut cut one of my jokes. I tell you what, I loved that recently on the radio, he was on about when he had to cut a beer of drinking Bruce Falls. So he said, and he he cut his in out and he didn't cut my out. That's brilliant. I remember (laughs) Keith was an extra on that. And there was a woman who, you get like professional extras who saying, oh, yes, I was in, I was in Crossroads 17 times. <laughs> and she said, and how did you get this part? And, and Kate said, I, 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 uh, slept, I with the, slept with the writer. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think we should probably wrap this up because well, the, pub, the, pub the pub is opening, opening. So you're going to hear noises in the, the background. But have... There's not so much noise in the background. It's since yeah. the pub's open, yeah. Kate's got very jolly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but... I forgot somebody's dripping now. I said, I'm going to... <laughs> you brought some dripping. I got some. Somebody asked me to get them some dripping because uh, Blackheath, which is close to here, it's more a village than a town. It's very, very old-fashioned. You can get old-fashioned things like. Do you know dri- beef dripping? Yeah, we should get some. Now pork dripping. Oh, pork dripping. Sorry. Mum loves dripping. But uh, w- last question then, please. So, what, what would you? Most old people can't avoid dripping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now. 
It's our age. <laughs> right. So, yeah, last question. So what would you most like to say to each other now? I'd like to see more of you, Sean. And I mean, not just on the telly. Mm. Because it falls hard on me, because a lot of people say, yeah, you seem like, and it makes him seem like he's a big-headed son, so they don't want nothing to do with us. He's really not. He's a workaholic. Yeah, I know he is. But, um... Yes, what do I want to say to Keith? Um, I love you, Keith. Yeah, I'd like you to be part of my son's life, is what I would really like, because he would love yeah. you as well, and that would be good. Can we end by Kath promising that I'll be allowed to bring Boz to come and see you? Told you, my flat is so small. I mean, I'll surely you can wouldn't... get a five-year-old in it. You get a five-year-old in it, but where are you going to go? Well, I'll just... <laughs> You'd well, like my to idea was... <laughs> my idea was to drop him off and then, and then <laughs> and go to the match. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a Little Wonder production. Logo artwork from Kathy Mason. Voice from Melanie Walters. Music from Rodri Viney. Special thanks to Beth Forrest, Steve Pickup, Sam Roberts, Henry Widdicombe and Joe Williams. Other podcasts from Little Wonder include Here to Judge and Welcome to Spooktown. Subscribe now on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. She's doing that holding See? a very phallic microphone. <laughs>